fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a pre-Friday celebration, greatest day of the entire week as we roll through here. Man, and it's flown right on by. I feel like it's been a blur most of this week. But here we are, having fun, rocking the thing, doing what we do. Carpe Dianisms all over the place. Welcome into it. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. But we are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen, all over the country. Great to have you. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. We have a massive show lined up for you today, so I don't want to waste any time. Bottom of this hour, we have Dr. Richard Kuby on the program. He is with the Prairie Spine and Pain Institute. We'll talk about monopolies in the healthcare industry, the centralization of healthcare, how we can push back a little bit, uh, push back against big pharma, and so on and so forth. So I'll have some fun with that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Why are healthcare costs on the rise and what can we do about that? will be a big topic of discussion. So we'll get to that here momentarily. But first and foremost, have to remind you, if you have not known, if you were not aware, if maybe you forgot, today is December 7th, which means today is the Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, first and foremost. And God bless the few that are still with us that uh, lived through that uh, ridiculous, insane experience and uh, are launching into jumping the United States into World War II. Ironically, we're right now remembering it now with the potential on brink of World War III going on either in Ukraine and Russia or with the Israeli Hamas issue. Whatever the situation, we have to remember those and those 2,403 individuals that lost their lives today on Pearl Harbor Day uh, back when. So uh, that's uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, thoughts and prayers to those families and the remembrance that needs to continue on. And just like we say in 9-11 every year, that we will never forget. We have to remember that. That being said, there's a lot to talk about here on the program with us, like us all over social media. Last night, how many people, show of hands, how many people watched Republican presidential debate numero four? As we did watch it, very entertaining for sure. And I got to say, this guy, man, he is continuously shock and awe on everyone. And it's so much fun to watch. And the only one that has no fear to stand up and say things. I think this is definitely the quote of the night last night. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11? That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech. That the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment (laughs) that actually put up the Trump-Russia collusion (laughs) hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person on the stage who can say these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterback him and criticizing him when it's convenient. I mean, dude, I mean, there it is. You can't say much more than that. 
Hilarious to listen to. I love how the moderator Okay, thank you. Thank you. We can't be talking about that stuff anymore either. Uh, to talk about that and so much more on how the debate went. What's trending today? As we get geared up for 2024 and the kickoff of the Iowa caucuses right around the corner. Happy to have on the program. She's the grassroots director and political advisor for the presidential campaign of Vivek Ramaswamy as well. Kathy Barnett, one of our favorite guests to be back on the program. Kathy, how are you, my friend? I am great, especially coming off of last night. I live for that kind of smoke. And I think most Americans, right, not the political class, they want to clutch their pearls and pretend like all is well. But for the regular people like myself and others, we live for that kind of smoke. And Vivek brought it, so we're extremely excited. Yeah, he did a fantastic job, as always. He's always the one to pay attention to during these debates. And I, I, I got to give him credit whether people you know, are looking at this race and looking at all the candidates and how far Trump's in the lead in the polls right now, which we'll talk about in a second. But regardless, Vivek is the only one out there right now that's calling out the establishment as harsh of a tone as anybody. I mean, they're all trying to play nice right now. And obviously the big focal point was Nikki Haley. as She's been rising in the polls a little bit. So everybody kind of geared attention towards her. But uh, Vivek's been very steady and very consistent on calling out the corruption that's going on in Washington, D.C. And we should be very mindful of that. I think that's a perfect point that you just made, where you have the majority of the polit- of the Republican political class trying to play nice, making sure that they get the best Christmas invites from <laughs> Democrats and big donors. But while the rest of us are still trying to recover from schools that were shut down, businesses that were destroyed, an open border where we're flooding in fentanyl that is killing about 100,000 Americans every single year, we have veterans being kicked out of um, out of places to live, and we're replacing them with illegals. We have grown men dressed in prostitute attire, reading story time to our children. I'm literally traveling around with Chloe Cole and several others, detransitioners, females who were lied and told they could be a male if they just cut off their breast and get a full hysterectomy. And so the question should be for every Republican who's going to vote in this primary, why are the political class within the Republican Party not as pissed off as the rest of us? These people are systemically and intentionally destroying and dismantling our country right before our eyes. And now we have people like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie trying to take us into World War III in Ukraine, and they can't even name three regions within three provinces within the within the Donbass region. That's a problem. My son is getting ready to turn 18 years old. He is going to have to register, and God forbid these people try to send my baby to go die on foreign soil, and we don't even know why, nor do we get the benefit as Americans. Yeah, it is sad to watch in the disarray that we're in right now because we are, as we talked about World War II and we've talked about our jumping into it with Pearl Harbor Day today, we are on the brink potentially of a World War III either in, in either location. And our military is saying unless we get the full funding we want for Ukraine right now that we're going to have to start sending troops. And I, That's not a very diplomatic stance for us to be taking right now when that's openly going to start a World War III and international conflict, isn't it? And they don't care. Nikki Haley wants a bigger house. How do you leave 
the U.N. as U.N. secretary with maybe $100,000 in the bank, and now within two years, you're now $8 million uh, net worth? How did that happen exactly? I think most Americans want to know. Oh, I know, because Vivek has laid it out very clear to us how these people are using their time in office and how and how these neocons are sending our children into war after war after war. We lose all of them. We look ridiculous as if we've forgotten how we ran out of Afghanistan with our tail tucked between our legs. And now we sent over $200 billion with a B to Ukraine. And when our legislators asked to do an accounting of that money, it was shut down. Now we're sending more money into the Middle East. Now we have China looking into Taiwan. This is not going to end well for us. And how arrogant of Americans to think that we can have the track record we have coming out of Iraq, coming out of Afghanistan. Now we've been over here in Ukraine. Nothing has really been resolved except for inflation with 200 plus billion dollars. Now we're looking at uh, the Middle East, and then we're going to have to run over here to, to protect Taiwan. How arrogant do do you have to be to think that we can do all of this when we have very real problems right here on our own turf? Amen to that. We're talking with Kathy Barnett. She's the grassroots director and political advisor for the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential campaign. Uh, outside of, as well, just the deep state neocon versus establishment versus non-establishment candidates that we see with Vivek fighting against a lot of that. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed, and I'm 35, being part of that millennial generation like Vivek, that yeah. it's almost a generational idea as well with Vivek up there and some of the stances that he's taking that are so vastly different from Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and all these other guys. It's really almost even a generational difference of how we view the world uh, when it is like, why do we need to be involved in so much stuff globally? The social media thing, which, by the way, thank you for Vivek's position on TikTok, because my stance has always been, if we're going to ban TikTok, then we should be banning Facebook and Google and YouTube and everything else with our own government collecting ridiculous amounts of information on us as well. Uh It's a generational difference that I think needs to be heard with our generation being the up-and-comers and taking the reins on issues. You know, I believe that it is time for a different generation of Americans to find their place in leadership. You know, there are a number of people who will look at people like yourself and people like the they can say, oh, you're too young, or they would be talked down to like, Chris Christie was talking to Vivek as if he's a 12-year-old boy telling him to shut up and listen. Like, who does that, right? But we have the average age in Senate right now is almost 70. What has all that old age gotten us? We We are less than ourselves. The America we're finding ourselves living in Today, I don't recognize it when I was a child, and now I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and my baby, my baby girl, 15 years old, said, Mama, I want to be able to have a family one day. I want to raise my own family and have a job and do different things, and we have children the, especially Gen Z, who are looking around saying, will there be an America or just an America in name only? And these people are running like a well, like moving through the Constitution, like a well moves through a net right now of dismantling one liberty right after the other. And they're not even pausing to take a break. And then they look at the rest of us as if we are 
uh, Neanderthals, as if we don't understand that our liberties are being taken away from us and that we are less than who we have always been. And I and, 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 and I think you're right. You have these people like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and even Ron DeSantis who have li- who have their entire adult career in politics. They're comfortable. They know where all the bodies are buried, and they want to stay in this position. And now at this point, just rack in the, the, the rewards from it. But it's generations like yours, like my children, who are looking and saying, what are we going, what's going to be left of this country for us? Yeah, well, what's going to be left for us, and when are we going to be able to take the reins? And like you said, when are we going to be taken seriously in, like Chris Christie tried to go after Vivek, and just you know actually be taken seriously and actually allow us to have ideas and be able to do things a little bit differently? Because politics is changing, culture's changing, society's changing right now, and they don't want to admit it, which is why I think we're starting to fall behind, Kathy. we got just about 45 yeah. seconds left here before we got to let you go, and I appreciate your time very much. But going into the Iowa caucus, how are you guys feeling, and what's the word on the, spree, uh, on the street as Vivek continues to talk to people we are we are feeling good we are feeling good we're out here with the people the grassroots has never been more strong i am all across iowa and i don't hear anyone mentioning nikki haley's name except to say they they don't like her so i don't know what's up with these polls it, it reminds me a lot of what we what we went through with donald trump and hillary clinton when all the polls said she was going to win I doubt it. I think we're going to come in very strong. I'm very excited, but ultimately we're doing our part. It's going to be up to the American people to get their head out of the sand, screw it on correctly, because I think we get this one shot. I don't think our nation has another two to four years to kick the can down the road. It is now. You have someone who is actually speaking for you. Reward that so that we can have more of that. There it is, overturning the tables, calling out the establishment, which is a very bold and dangerous thing to do, and it's very much needed as well. Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign, Kathy Barnett. Kathy, good luck on the campaign trail. we got to talk to you again here real soon, my friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure. There it is. Lots more to get to here on a Thursday for The Voice of Reason. Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. That again was Kathy Barnett. She is the grassroots director and political advisor for the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential campaign. Uh, For those that don't remember, Andy, why did you get so excited with her on the program? Uh, We've had her on many times before, even before she worked for the Vivek campaign. If you remember, she was a congressional candidate in the state of Pennsylvania. She was also a Senate primary candidate during the Dr. Oz and John Fetterman candidate, uh, candidacy and election. She was in the primaries in that race as well, dropped out early, but she uh, also ran for Congress on the House side and ended up losing with what she was concerned with with some of the voter fraud going on in the state of Pennsylvania. So we talk, we've talked to her for a very long time uh, when she was running for office herself, and uh, now she's on the Vivek campaign. She is a wonderful individual, and if you can't sense and tell the massive amounts of energy coming from her, it, which ironically matches the Vivek energy to a T. So I think they, they play each off each other very well, and that's a very high-intensity campaign, which is why a lot of people are drawn to it. And now, again, this is not an endorsement of Vivek in any way, shape, or form. Does he have a chance of getting the nomination? In the numbers that we see in the polls right now, no, he doesn't. Donald Trump's still up 30 points over anybody, and Vivek still floats between number two and three in the polls uh, right around there, the same with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. So it's not an endorsement of him. But uh, again, coming from my generation, 
I like a lot of what he says. He He's spot on with going after the establishment and not being fearful of going after the establishment in any way, shape, or form. So the fact that he is, I give him massive props on that, and uh, I, I love it. Now, is he a little too smooth? Is he a little, I'm a little skeptical? Sure, I'm a little skeptical. He says everything almost too perfectly. It's too quiet in here. What's about ready to happen? Uh, he says things almost too perfectly, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And if he got elected, then what would he actually do? Uh, and I got to be honest, his biggest downfall is the fact that he made all his money, which he made money. He's, he's a multimillionaire. Perfect. That's awesome. Not a big deal, whatever. But my biggest downfall with him is that he made his money through the pharmaceutical industry. And as you know, talking about some of the alternative health issues, that I'm not a big fan of big pharma. And he made his money through big pharma. That's his only downfall. Outside of that, everything that he says, I think, on the campaign trail is pretty spot on. Uh, This was him on the debate stage going after Nikki Haley, because as you know, Nikki Haley has been rising in the polls just a little bit over the past few weeks, getting closer to that Iowa caucus. And uh, both Ron DeSantis and Vivek were going after Nikki Haley pretty, uh, pretty brutally last night, trying to peek her down, which I think they did a pretty solid job of it. You were bankrupt when you left the U.N., After you left the U.N., you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. Third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign dealings as a military contractor, she said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. (laughs) I mean, that's a way to go after her. Is it going to work? Time will tell in the polls. But, uh, I mean, for those that are talking about the anti-establishment, for the woes that are talking about the outsider trying to shake up Washington, D.C., why Donald Trump has so much support in this presidential race and seeing what he did against the establishment, blowing the doors wide open from the backdoor deals that were being made in Washington, D.C., not allowing D.C. to get back to business as normal. Vivek is the candidate that's piggybacking off of that movement. And Nikki Haley, I think in her response, didn't do a very good job of defending herself. Look, we will take support from anybody we can take support from. But I have been a conservative fighter all my life. I was a Tea Party candidate when I became governor. We opposed every single corporate bailout we possibly could. But when it comes to these corporate people that want to suddenly support us, we'll take it. I don't I don't know if that's the best answer to do. Uh, Vivek also made the comment that she's being sponsored by BlackRock, one of the biggest corporations in the entire globe, that uh, the theory is kind of runs things behind the scenes. And they're funding Nikki Haley as the safe, establishment, middle-of-the-road candidate. You can accept money from whoever you want to, but most of the time that money has tied to it some type of agenda. And that's skeptical. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. I have delivered results. That's what we need for this country. And you have other candidates up here like Nikki Haley. She caves anytime the left comes after her, anytime the media comes after her. I did a bill in Florida to stop the gender mutilation of minors. It's child abuse and it's wrong. She opposes that bill. 
That was Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis, at the debate last night with the four candidates on the stage whittling it down, my friends, as we get closer to that Iowa caucus. That was with Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy. We just talked to the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign a little bit ago with Kathy Barnett. Appreciate her joining us very much. Uh, Yeah, all the focus was attention on Nikki Haley last night just because she's been jumping up in the polls a little bit, so they had to try and take their shots at her. I mean, that was an okay attack. Ron's just boring, man. I don't know. I mean, I like him. He's a great governor, but just he doesn't have the charisma, I think. I mean, the person that's kind of overly charismatic would be someone like Vivek. Uh, Nikki Haley seems to be uh, fitting into the slot of the very moderate go-with-the-flow type of candidate. Christie, I don't even know why he's still on the debate stage because he has nothing else to offer. So it's very interesting to see how things are playing out. We'll see as it goes and gets closer to the Iowa caucus here in just a few weeks. All right, I want to shift gears. What's trending today? I love talking that, but I want to shift gears a little bit because one of the issues that continues to be talked about is, of course, the healthcare industry. And we love talking about it, especially I think it's been more of a talking point and focal point for so many individuals after the COVID-19 pandemic and happy to have on to talk about really since over the past few years and decade, really, we've seen a massive increase in healthcare prices. What the heck is going on and how do we get this back on track? Uh, I mean, premiums for health insurance jumping up, deductibles jumping up. So you're paying more every month just to get covered. Then you still have to pay more out of pocket before it even covers you. Then half the time the insurance is getting rid of the stuff that you even need covered. So then you have to pay more out of pocket because why the hell not? So that's been an issue. Pharmaceutical industry have been on the rise with more pills becoming more expensive. And then we hear uh, both sides of the aisle talking about ways to, to solve it. But what's the real problem and how do we solve so many of these problems with the latest? It's happy to have on the program. He's the CEO and founder of Prairie Spine and Pain Institute. Happy to have on here Dr. Richard Kuby. Doctor, how are you, my friend? Doing well this evening. How are you? Yeah, living the dream. I appreciate you jumping on here with us. Why in the world? Let's start there. Why in the world, which I guess is kind of a rhetorical question. We saw really the change since the consumption of the Obamacare take effect under the Barack Obama administration. But why in the world are we seeing such ridiculously high health insurance prices across the nation right now? Uh, It's not a free market. I mean, I think that's the quick answer, right? I mean, the government is super involved in health care, and if you look at, you know, health care and education are probably the two industries where you've got the government most involved, and that's where you've got the highest skyrocketing costs. You know, and realistically, you know, you have these increasingly larger bureaucratic, you know, juggernauts that are consuming a lot of the dollars. So a lot of your health care dollars really don't even go to the care uh, it's this typical, I think, kind of fallout of any kind of bureaucracy and any kind of lack of a free market because nobody's really asking the questions, well, where is this money going, right? So we talk about how much money there's going, but realistically, I can tell you, I get paid less for the services I provide today than I got paid a couple of years ago or a couple of years before that or a couple of years before that, or they want to bundle things in and say, well, we don't pay for that even at all. So the reality is, is we have to stop thinking that if we can't pay for the care, we could somehow pay for the care plus all these other characters, yeah. right? So the number of physicians has doubled in, say, the last 25 years, and the number of administrators has gone up 3,000% in the same time frame. Wow. None of those people work for free, and I have yet to figure out any value any of those people really bring to the table for your health care service. So 
That's one reason why you're seeing it go up. Another reason why is when you mention Obamacare, there's a set margin that an insurance carrier can make now. You know, at face value, somebody who hasn't, you know, necessarily thought deeply on economic forces, oh, great, you know, they're capped at 15%. They can't make more than 15%. Well, any company has a fiduciary responsibility to increase profits, so the only way they get increased profits is to get 15% of a larger number. So you actually incentivize the insurance carriers to build greater and greater infrastructures that consume more and more money so that the gross number goes up and that 15% of gross becomes an ever-increasing number. Uh, I mean, it's, it, if you really follow the money and look at things from a basic economic standpoint, it ultimately doesn't end up that hard to fit to follow and figure out. Yeah, yeah. What it seems like is there's a consolidation, not only from government regulatory sense in just the healthcare industry as a whole, but it almost seems like a consolidation on the home front with the closing of mom and pop shops, a consolidation of let's just have all the doctors work at a main hospital where all the administrators run everything, like you said, with an increase in the administrative work there, and just have everybody work out of one place like that, that is a centralized hub for the control of the entire industry. I mean, I live in Kansas, and one of our main issues here in the, in our state is the closing of, quote-unquote, rural hospitals and, and small mom-and-pop clinics because, well, their push is, let's just expand the Medicaid, which we're one of the few states that hasn't done that yet. Let's expand Medicaid, and all of a sudden we'll have more federal government money coming in, and all will be well. That's not going to save the problem here, is it? Well, you know, if you're losing money on every case, you can't make up for it with more volume. <laughs> That's true. You're just going to go deeper in the hole faster. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think it, it should really run. You know, there are folks just to the south of you in Oklahoma, uh, namely the guys who founded the Free Market Medical Association in Oklahoma City, Keith Smith and Jay Kempton, and they've been implementing a lot of free market concepts and that kind of stuff saves a lot of money. You cut a lot of middle people out. You know, for us in my industry, you know, I have to try and somehow increase costs because, you know, I have to hire increasingly larger billing staffs. You know, a good 25% of my gross goes towards collections. Wow. Okay, think about, you go, I don't know who your supermarket is in your area, Right. But think if 25 percent of the gross in that supermarket went to the cashiers, Mm. what would change in that supermarket and their cost? What if you went to a gas station and 25 percent of the cost of that gasoline went to the guy behind the checkout counter? Sure. It would absolutely skyrocket the cost. There's the margins are dropping dramatically because of that. So that's why you see a lot of the small guys unable to handle it. You have a lot of government regulation that doesn't allow you to compete equally, where you can't build a facility, or they limit what you could do with imaging, or they limit what you could do with surgery. The hospitals don't have those limits. So when you have things like I talk about in my Newsweek article, uh, the site of service differentials, when you talk about a hospital being able to charge perhaps 70, 80% more, not just charge, but collect 60 to 80% more for an office visit simply because the location is quote unquote hospital. 
Okay, there's not anything different provided there. It's still an office visit. Uh, that's a problem, right? That hospital is able to generate more revenue for the same service that allows them to then buy practices that can't compete on that level. Additionally, the hospital has downstream revenue. So we know statistically for every primary care doctor, for every dollar spent in primary care, $13 are generated downstream. So when you have a hospital that could actually collect more from that doctor for the same exact service and also collect the other $13, right, there's not a good way for the private guy to be able to keep up. And then it becomes more of a mill, which is if you've never been, ever been to a doctor recently, how much time do you get with that doctor? You don't get much time because that doctor's panel of patients requires them to see four or five people an hour. And so if they've got 15, 10 to 15 minutes total time, and on average it's seven to eight minutes of documentation in the electronic medical record system, they really only have six, maybe seven minutes to spend with you. I mean, if you're relatively healthy or if you're there to check on strep throat, probably not a big deal. But if you've got complex diabetes, hypertension, maybe you have cardiovascular disease, you need to go through your EKG, there's no way for them to handle that kind of a situation in that time frame. So what happens? You go to a specialist. So it's another visit, more tests that the specialist is going to run. And that's, that's why we see those costs going up. I think if you had patients more engaged and, and involved, just like you are in any other market, people would ask, well, do I really need this? Do I not? How much should this really cost? You know, because unlike a lot of things, you know, you're not going to walk around town and gas is $6 a gallon here, $2 there, $12 there. That is actually real in the medical world. You can go to a location and right across the street, that same $500 MRI is $5,000 across the street, and there's not a dime's worth of difference in the machines. Wow. And in some cases, the machine at the six, five, six dollars place is a newer, better machine than at the $5,000 place. <laughs> And so that that that's a challenge. It you know, seems like take, a challenge when you take the consumer out of the middle. Yeah, it, it seems like the the system set up against you to to force for that consolidation and, and try and run you guys out of business on that when you try to actually fight in that private market. Barack Obama said that if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you want to keep your plan, you can keep your plan. And obviously, uh, they're like, yeah, you can keep it if it's still around for you to be able to survive that way. And that seems to be the direction that we've gone, Richard. We got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Fantastic. I love this conversation. I want to focus on when we come back, I want to shift gears a little bit, talk about the pharmaceuticals. You mentioned the short amount of time doctors actually have with the patients, and does that lead to them just saying, well, this is what I think gets wrong. I don't have time to really dive deep into it. So here's a prescription. Come back if there's another issue is one, and how do we start changing this system? So there's a lot to talk about in this field. We got to do something because this is unsustainable with the direction and the crash course that we're in. And for some reason, they always say, well, Government's going to be the answer. Let's just give them more power and that'll fix it. Ha! That's funny. Lots more coming up. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. I told you. I told you to strap in, get buckle up, and have some fun today because this show is going to fly right on by. So much to talk about, so much to do, and so little time to do it. By the way, I just confirmed. I, I saw a thing on social media. I wanted to make sure 
that today was actually the day, but apparently Hanukkah started today as well. So happy Hanukkah for all of our Jewish friends out there. Prayers uh, with everything going on in the nation of Israel as well. So uh, the celebrations begin with the end of the year festivities. We'll do some more of that a little bit later. We're talking with uh, Dr. Richard Kuby right now. He is with the Prairie Spine and Pain Institute. You can find him online at prairiespine.com as we talk about the healthcare industry, the monopolies, the centralization. Is it the private industry that's being monopolized? Oh, that's right. It's the federal government taking and consuming. Uh, doctor, I have to ask you, and I always, I always love talking about this issue, about the membership mindset, uh, kind of the the membership uh, uh, care facilities now where you pay just the membership to go in. You can see the doctor. You have the time. You can get the treatments that you need done. Seems to be kind of a growing interest right now, and it actually started uh, really on the national stage here right in Wichita. We're on base out of with our flagship radio station. Is that going to be the future of healthcare? do you think, with just going private membership with your uh, your family physician? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I have a so <clears throat> there are a variety of different models in that arena. Uh, I like the concept of direct primary care, and so there are a lot of things that are like con- the concierge medicine. That's definitely different. You know, you basically pay a fee, but then when you go to the doctor, you still pay a bill. So your membership is basically like for those of us old enough. You know, you get a membership members only jacket, right? Yeah, big deal. You know. Uh, the direct primary care, you're actually paying basically to have that guy on call for you, more or less, right? And so I have a direct primary care doctor. My son goes to the same guy. My wife has a direct primary care physician, and my daughters go to her as well. And it couldn't really be better because now I have somebody, now I have somebody who works for me. Yeah. And that's a key thing. You know, when you go to the hospital employed physicians, which are increasingly more of them, that physician doesn't work for you. Yeah. That physician works for the hospital administration. And if you don't think that's a big deal, it definitely is a big deal because it doesn't matter how ethical that doctor is. Hospitals put a lot of forces on these people to order different things, to not order things, to push you through, etc. And they're given metrics. And, and like anything else, if you're forced to choose between something ethical or, you know, they're going to cut your paycheck 15%, and now you can't afford to send your kid to private school or to college, you know, these are real choices that those primary care doctors face many times. I've talked to many of them personally, and I know firsthand from what they're saying and what I've seen, you know, that that they are forced into situations that they find unethical all the time. And, so again, you know, finding a private doctor, that doctor has you in mind because you are the customer. You can say no, you could leave, and if you do, then I don't generate any revenue. So I am motivated to make you happy. I am motivated to do a good job. I am motivated to have a good outcome because if I don't, you will tell 10 of your friends that I suck at my job and I and you should not go see my old previous doctor because he is horrible. And so you know, again, it's 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 market at play. You know, you you want people, you know, who are motivated to do the right thing for the right reasons. And you know, when you're going to see treatment, that that's the thing. And so I, I think pri- the the those types of scenarios where you have direct primary care, it's a big deal. I think additionally, those docs are going to be by and large going to send you to see more private in, imaging groups 
or folks like myself who are private specialists who we could do bundled models. Uh, we generally are saving employers $80,000 of spine surgery for those people who come and see us. I'm sure you know, Keith and Jay and those guys in Oklahoma City are doing the same thing. There are other facilities like that, too. And the reason is, is you're cutting all these middle people out. You're making life a lot easier. And again, you are looking at the patient. And so I, I would like to think that we have more and more of that happening because the patient needs to be at the center of the care. Yeah. And those direct primary care doctors, based on their model, they have a lot more time to spend with you. So you're getting actual health care, not sick care. What a concept. And that's another big reason why we spend a lot of money in this country. Yeah, what a concept. Yeah, being beholden to the actual consumer. Capitalism, free markets at its work, and you actually grow and succeed and do well based on performance in the private market. And when you do well, you succeed because people want to see you. When you don't, then you know what? Then, well, that's going to work for you. Yeah, exactly. Dr. Richard Kuby, you can go check him out online, prairiespine.com. Richard, I appreciate the time very much, my friend. I love the topic. we got to get you back on and talk again here real soon. Sounds great. You have a great day. Hey, you as well. Appreciate it. Great conversation. We'll do it again soon. Until then, back at it again tomorrow for a Friday. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the radio.